Here comes number 10. Welcome, wrestling fans, to a very special episode of the Banish to the Pen podcast. A wrestling exclusive right after Royal Rumble. We are recording this Tuesday night, uh, two days after the Royal Rumble. I am Ryan Sullivan, editor-in-chief of MatchGM.com and the baron of all baseball podcasts. I am joined tonight by my very good friends and wrestling fanatics. I've got Josh Blum with me. Hello. I've got Matt Anakrich with me. How you doing? And I've got Scott Holland with me. Hi there. Did I get everybody's name right first and foremost? You did. Nekrich. <laughs> I, I know so good on my end. <laughs> I, I know him too. That's the war I'm so bad at names. Oh, this is deplorable. Anyways. Well, two out of three ain't bad, I guess. That's the way we're gonna go for it. And uh in wrestling that sounds like a Roman Reigns night. So uh anywho. Oh. <laughs> So with that, uh, I think everybody's probably aware uh, of who I am who is listening to this now, but uh, how about uh, we go a little bit around the table, so to speak, uh, introduce everybody to yourself, where, uh, how you became a wrestling fan, your name on Twitter, uh, anything personal you want to share or not share, favorite wrestler, kind of anything you want to share. So um, uh, we'll go alphabetical, why not last name first. Uh, Josh, start us off. All right, yeah, um, Josh uh, became a wrestling fan in the early 2000s, I guess. Maybe a little earlier than that, but basically after the Attitude Era, so I got all the PG stuff. Uh, um, yeah, I am the scribe of the Fantasy League, and that's, uh, I think, all you really need to know about me is that I am in a Fantasy Wrestling League, and I do weekly write-ups for them, so that should tell you what you need to know about me. <laughs> Well, to, to build off that small point, one of the highlights of my week is when you give us the leaderboards of said Fantasy Wrestling League. So, if that gives you any hint of how I'm doing, there you go. <laughs> if only we could, you know, have a chance at catching Hartman. Yes, that, that would be nice. Uh, Matt, uh, jump in here. Uh, introduce yourself. Same, uh, same kind of question and uh, same deal. Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, I'm Matt. Uh, I became a wrestling fan probably in the mid to late 90s. Uh, started watching uh, the WCW uh, right about the formation of the NWO, I think. Uh, and I became a fan of the WWE uh, actually thanks to uh, Mr. Tony Schiavone telling me that uh, Mick Foley was going to be winning the WWE championship on an episode of Raw. Flipped over, uh, be instantly became hooked. Uh, and I've been a fan ever since. Yeah, I really do remember that night too. Uh, kind of turned the ratings war. It's pretty amazing, huh? Yeah. So, all right, uh, Scott. Uh, once again, same deal. All right. Well, apparently I am ancient. Uh, my uh, <laughs> my fandom goes back to uh, 1987 and seeing clips on superstars of Randy Savage uh, draping Ricky Steamboat over the guardrail and uh, crushing his larynx. Um, wow, very nice. Pretty much uh, locked in ever since, although my family was slow to get cable, uh, so I was renting pay-per-views from Blockbuster You know, two months after they aired. <laughs> uh, stayed pretty close week to week. 
uh, all through college. Uh, my my dark spot is probably more of the 2002 to 2007 window, um, just because of that's when I was uh, beginning, you know, my my working world, uh, not having DVRs, things like that. Um, and the reason I think I'm here tonight is because uh, one of my specialties, in addition to uh, writing as much as I can for the Atomic Elbow fanzine, um, I'm kind of a uh, I've staked my corners a Royal Rumble Royal Rumble statistician. Uh, so I've compiled uh, all sorts of ridiculous arcane data and uh, try to contextualize each year's match as it happens. And uh, looking, you know, I watch everything um, pretty much, but looking forward to uh, to talking about that specifically a little bit later on. Well, uh, Mike Vertello was the czar, the telestrator. We've got the czar, the Royal Rumble. I like it. I, I will wear it. Uh, before we actually dive into current day, uh, how about we go around uh, favorite wrestler all time? Uh, start with Scott. Let's go back around the table. Oh, sure. Uh, I, uh, you will find me on Twitter at Star of Savage. And uh, my Twitter icon is the orange trunks and white star on Randy Savage's uh, 1988-era wrestling gear. So uh, he's my guy, always and forever. Very solid choice. Very solid choice. Matt, same deal? Uh, I will say that uh, favorite wrestler all time is a toss-up between Mick Foley and uh, the game, Triple H. I, big Triple H, Mark. And Josh? I mean, I don't know. Um, I guess I'd have to go, uh, of all people, Matt Hardy. Um, but that's Did more he? so. That's oh. when I, that's when I got into wrestling, and I, I was a huge Hardy boy, Mark. And Matt was the older brother, and I'm the older brother, so I connected with him. I, I, that's that's, I don't know. I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, those TLC matches that they had were just out of this world. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are all great choices. I don't know if I answer one tonight, I'll give you a different answer tomorrow. But uh, how about we go with uh, we'll go with Shawn Michaels? How about that? So, that's always you, a solid choice. So I'm surprised you didn't say Dijak. Well, yeah, that is a fair point as well. <laughs> Shout out to Donovan Dijak. So, all right, guys. Uh, before we dive into the Rumble, uh, I do want to uh, start a little bit with NXT, uh, the Takeover event that happened on Saturday night. Uh, pretty good card, I think. Uh, came in with a little bit less hype than some of the previous. I don't know the last few six half dozen, whatever it would be. And, and I think it really over delivered. I thought it was a really good pay per view. Uh, I don't know who wants to jump in first, but uh, somebody tag yourself in and uh, NXT talk. Yeah, I'll I'll go quick because I can be quick. One of the things, in fact, I think I will blame the Rumble for this because I've been trying to spend a lot of my free time. Uh, refreshing my data set the last couple months is I don't know that I've watched an hour of weekly NXT since the last takeover before Survivor Series, which runs counter to my usual approach. Um, but I don't know if that helped or hurt it. Uh, you know, I wasn't as maybe as excited ahead of time as I usually am, which is either a function of the card or a function of, you know, dropping out on the weekly. But I do have to say that it didn't dull my enjoyment of the actual event uh, at all. It was still, uh, you know, I, I don't think you can objectively rank it amongst the Bents takeovers, which is a crowded field anymore. Um, but I, I still enjoyed it plenty. I think that's a good a good point. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't, I just don't have time to watch NXT every week. And I have not watched an episode of NXT since 
takeover in Toronto. Um, so I knew what the plans were, and I kind of understood the storylines going back and all that. But, I, I mean, the card, like I said, it was it didn't look like the strongest card on paper, but they definitely put put up. They, they put up some good matches there. That, that women's match was, I think, a lot better than people expected it to be. Um, and, I mean, obviously the battle of the entrances is, is always a fantastic choice with Nakamura and rude. That was a good card, Matt. Yeah. See, I, I think I, I actually do watch every week of, uh, of NXT. Usually I, I will binge them. In fact, I, I binged about a month of them the day before, but I do try and keep up on, uh, NXT weekly programming. Uh, it's easier to, you know, binge them. You can fast forward through all of the, you know, Stuff that really doesn't pique your interest or stuff, you know, that drags and, and whatnot. I thoroughly enjoyed the card. Uh, there are a couple of curious things booking-wise that I didn't quite understand. But all in all, it was a, it was a really, really great show. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised in that. I think every one of my pre-match predictions would have been wrong. I, I would have thought that the perfect tie or <laughs> perfect tie, perfect 10, Ty Dillinger would have won his match. He didn't. Uh, I certainly thought that uh, there was a good chance for Roddy to let uh, kind of CN go over. You know, the young young guy get a victory on a pay-per-view or whatever they want to call them these days, a network event. I thought that Gargano and uh, Champa would hold the titles a little longer. I thought that it might be a time to take the belt off Asuka, and I thought Shinsuke was going to hold it longer. So I leave it, you know, pretty pleasantly surprised that you know, kind of all my thoughts were incorrect in a way. And, and, and in this day and age in wrestling, when I feel like you can predict the outcome 90 to 95% of the time, that was that was kind of nice, frankly. I'm I'm surprised to hear you say that you thought uh, Oscar was going to drop it. Um, that That's one that it seems like I would not be surprised, let's put it this way. I, I would not be surprised if she basically pulls the page where she just doesn't ever actually lose the belt gets called up and she's still undefeated and then then they just strip her of the title and put it on someone else like they did with her because um, they're, they're the way they're building her who's gonna stop her you know yeah i i, I just to build off your point because i think you're 100 percent right i just the easiest way to take it the really the only way to take the belt off her and keep her strong is in some type of a four-way match where two of the girls are obviously colluding together. I just, or it could have been something very easy. Like one of the girls, Billy Kay pins the other one and then title changes hands. I mean, it could have been something as stupid as that, which, you know, professional wrestling isn't that smart sometimes, but just to build off your point, I just, the only way that you can do that and keep Oscar strong was to have her lose in that kind of situation. And it has been almost a year so. Right. There were several points in that match where either Peyton Royce or Billy Kay could have pinned the other, and I would have totally bought into it. And it just would have been refreshing for, you know, once in a while, common sense to kick in in, you know, professional wrestling, but, you know. Yeah, I think one of the things that we're struggling with with NXT is um, I feel like the class of stars that made the arena shows married to the paper, you know, the main roster pay-per-view schedule, um, not only plausible, but they kind of demanded it. the the bulk of those folks have gotten called up uh and now we're kind of back in a you know area where uh the star power i don't think is quite necessarily there um it does come across more as developmental sometimes than a totally finished product and 
you know, I, I think that's kind of a, a struggle, especially when you have a mix. Like, Asuka's obviously ready for the main stage, um, but nobody else is. Uh, Ember Moon is a viable contender, um, and you could plausibly believe her in a one-on-one match, but, you know, they still lack the ability to tell the simultaneous stories. You know, they can't build in that title match while also have her uh, ascending. Um, they haven't figured out how to do that yet. Uh, and so I, I think they're going to kind of have to juggle... And especially they've got this, you know, they still are doing the tapings and spoilers and trying to, you know, jam everything in. Um, it's it's kind of this hybrid between, uh, you know, one of the main roster brands and what, you know, where it rose to prominence. And I, I don't think they've quite hit the winning formula just yet. That said, it's still highly enjoyable. Uh, definitely worth uh, my $10 a month to the network. Yeah, just I, my only comment to that would be maybe it would be stronger as if they took Asuka, the obvious stick out in that in that women's division and and kind of frankly in the entire thing besides Nakamura and Rude and if they moved her up maybe then everybody would just accept okay these are a bunch of really green girls that are trying to get up to the main roster now and let's right. see who is the next Alexa Bliss who who kind of breaks out but I, I totally understand both of your guys' points so. uh what did you guys think about the title change? Were, were we a, a little surprised that, one, I think Nakamura was playing that he was hurt, and two, that you know Bobby Roode went over there? I, I, was, I was surprised. I was surprised that Roode went over. It, I understand it. I, I, I do get it, and I think you, you, got, you have a good build to a, a, a feud here now. Um, I think that, that seems to be the thing that was lacking a lot with this particular matchup was there wasn't really a feud until the last week or two based on, you know, their actual uh, release date of the tapings. But, um, I mean, I was surprised that it changed hands, but I, I can't argue with it. Bobby is glorious, you know, so it's it's hard to argue with, with putting the title on him. Yeah, I think as opposed to, uh, not opposed, but uh, just to throw in at the end, I thought the um, the injury uh, projection at the end was, you know, definitely useful in the, the narrative of the match. But I also, to me, part of it was, um, uh, you know, a kind of an indirect communication that Nakamura was not going to be in the Rumble. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. that that needed to be said, but I think they have a plausible, um, you know, storyline reason for why that didn't make sense. Yeah, I actually think that's a great point. And particularly now that we're looking back on it 48 hours later or whatever it is, that's a great point. Well, I, and I'm, you know, I'm, I was, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out who those final eight spots were going to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wrote in my preview that I was, so many people were pointing to the, um, you know, the Joes or the Nakamuras. And I actually, I, I'm glad it wasn't for a lot of reasons, but I'm definitely glad that they gave us uh, an out for Shinsuke. Yeah, Matt, give me some uh, some of your maybe final thoughts on uh, the NXT takeover. Well, I uh, in 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 talking about the uh, the title change, uh, full in the interest of full disclosure, I already knew who was going to win uh, as I was watching, uh, but I was still a little surprised that Rude won. Although I'm I'm, it's definitely a pleasant surprise. I mean, uh, Rude is definitely over. I mean, you can there's nothing like hearing you know twelve thirteen thousand people sing glorious as he goes to the ring so he's definitely over uh the the injury angle i guess will build towards a rematch at the takeover tour uh towards uh wrestlemania uh you know i'd like to see nakamura on the main roster but you know is there really a spot for him uh is you know he could you know definitely 
do more to put over put over some guys down in NXT before he comes back up. Uh, you know, I was I'm okay with it. Uh, it was an entertaining match for sure. And even though I didn't know who was going to win, the false finishes towards the end was uh, were definitely getting me on my edge the edge of my seat. All right, guys. Uh, one last thing. Wrap it up. Uh, how about a grade for uh, the pay per view as a whole, or the takeover, whatever we're gonna call it? I'm gonna continue to call them a pay per view. Grade for the pay per view. I, I go B plus. You know, it was a solid pay per view. Uh, there were some good matches on there, but you know, there was a little lack of star power. So uh, B plus. I'd agree. I, B plus. Yeah. B plus sounds about right. I'd say, yeah, at least no worse than a solid B. Uh, you, you know, you've got to watch it um, just for the entertainment value. And any that the title change still happens rarely enough that any time that it does, it's significant. Yeah, I'm with everybody. I think B, B minus kind of in, in that same range. You know, and, and mostly just because uh, there wasn't any, you know, maybe match that I'm going to go back and rewatch multiple times like some of the other pay-per-views. So, But uh, overall, definitely a good show and definitely worth watching, you know, once for sure. So, all right, guys. Now we got to flip to the next day, Royal Rumble. Uh, I, I don't know that we need to talk too much about the, about the matches before the Rumble, except I guess we got to uh, talk a little bit about Cena and Styles, which is getting some match of the year hype. Um, full disclosure: I didn't see what was so special. So, uh, let me know what I missed, guys. Let me uh, let let's start uh, Scott. Let's start with Scott. Um, you know, I, it, it's definitely way too early to talk match of the year or anything with, uh, when we're starting in January. Um, but it, you know, I'm, I'm also not the best one to rate stuff. <laughs> I can't, uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was, it was definitely entertaining for what it was. Um, I, I will say that I definitely appreciated. Um, I actually do like Cena working, um, against a smaller opponent, um, because I do, I like to see him, be aggressive i i you know him with the power advantage suits his personality and the way i perceive his character much better than him trying to uh you know power up against insurmountable odds um and it, it's the the look on his face when he's befuddled that uh, a smaller guy like styles is um is able to last to endure um you know kind of the look he gave when when daniel bryan wouldn't quit or when he couldn't put away punk um that it, that's the kind of scene match i most enjoy um i'm not really sure where we're going to go between here and and wrestlemania but um for the limited use that we've had from cena with his reduced schedule i i think they're you know maximum efficiency they're getting the most out of him for sure good points actually I, I, really I, i'd agree with that i mean I think you you look at Cena right now and he seems to be doing some of the probably the best work of his career. You know, you you look at same thing with Jericho, but you know, you've got these guys who are getting up there in age, but he's he's pulling out and because he's, you know, doing part-time work, he doesn't have to work so much. He gets to pull out a little more in those uh those big matches, but he, he seems to be doing some of the best work of his career and all credit to AJ for that too. I mean, obviously when you get in the ring with somebody, the caliber of styles, it's hard not to put on a good match. And I mean, I love that match. I thought that was a great match. They, they did a great job of telling the story of, you know, you've got Cena as this guy who, who said from the start, you know, you haven't even, 
you think you took my best shot. You haven't even seen my best shot type thing. And then he comes out and he pulls out moves that you have never seen him do or have very rarely seen him do. Uh, but then you have the storytelling aspect of, like you said, Styles not quitting. You know, you, you see Cena hit that second rope AA and it's like, oh, it's over. And no, Styles kicks out of it. That That's one of those moments where it's like, oh, wow, they really are selling this match. And, and to have that you know, that sequence at the end where they're just, they're reversing each other and they're, they're hitting each other with their finishers and they're both kicking out. And then you get, you get styles at the end with the styles clash. And then he sets up for that forearm and, and Cena comes over and catches him and, and, you know, basically AAs him twice to finally put him away. It was, it was a really solid sequence uh, at the end to finish that story off. And I just thought overall the, the way they, sold that match and the way that they told that story i really enjoyed matt it was it was a a decent match i'm with ryan i don't understand all the hype that it's getting it was a great match don't get me wrong but match of the year especially you know uh, to forward scott's point uh we're in january guys like let's let's calm down a little bit there was a lot of back and forth uh, a lot of near falls uh as, as josh said uh there were a lot of moves that uh, they pulled out, especially Cena, that Cena pulled out that you don't see him use a whole lot, uh, especially that Canadian Destroyer uh, that he used. Uh, you barely see him use that ever, and I don't know if that's a testament to the uh, people that he's working with or uh, or what, but it's a, it's, you know, there it, there is some really good back and forth. Uh, they did tell, they did tell a very good story. I don't know how I feel about multiple kickouts of finishes though uh finishers I, I think it's on the one hand it shows how into the match these guys are how much it means to these guys but on the other hand i think it kind of weakens the finisher like where anybody can kick out at any time so i don't know how i how i feel about it granted it was it's it's awesome every time it happens but, you know, sitting back 48 hours later looking at it, I don't know quite how I feel about uh, kickouts of finishers, especially multiple uh, kickouts. I don't know how you guys feel, but that, that's, how, that's how I feel. For me, that's one that totally depends on how it's done, I, I would say, is the way to do it. Because you look at something like, uh, I mean, look at the, you know, look at earlier in the night uh, with Roman and KO. I did not like that Roman kicked out of a Superman punch with brass knuckles on. Like, I didn't like that. I, I didn't appreciate that. Didn't seem believable to me at all. Yeah. Whereas in that match with the intensity that they're, again, the story that they're telling, it made more sense to me that there, there would be multiple kicks. I think it just, it's how you do it, I, I think is what it comes down to for me. Yeah, and I would say real quickly, one thing that uh, that I pay some attention to is the context of the night in general. And uh, with all the crazy stuff that went on in the Universal match, you've got the Rumble itself. Um, you know, just to have uh, a one-on-one -on -one match that I'm not positive, but it stayed almost entirely inside the ring, let alone no distractions or foreign objects or anything like that. At, um, and to be able to kind of elevate like that without um, anything else on a night when everything else is kind of completely crazy. Um, I think that says something uh, about the, the ability to tell a compelling story. But that said, 
that's not necessarily something that you, you know, when you go back uh, to compile your year-end lists, um, you know, you're only looking at this match in the, in the context of itself and, the, the you know, what those two, do, two guys do the rest of the year. So it, it, that's kind of one of those, you know, it's still in the, the 48 hours after the entire show type of thing. I might not, I might not have that same analysis after, you know, six months from now. I mean, I, I thought it was a good match. I don't want to act like it was the worst match on the card by any stretch. I thought it was the match of the night. It's, it stole the, you know, certainly stole the undercard, and, and you could even argue it stole, you know, from the Rumble. But I thought their match, I guess, at SummerSlam last year was better. And if you want to start talking match of the year, I mean, uh, Omega Okada is so far superior to whatever Cena and, and Styles did the other night. It's it's like comparing a, a master's level class with a high school class. I mean, it was a different, it's completely apples and oranges. It It's beyond comprehension to me to compare the two. So, I just oh, don't goodness, under- yes. I don't understand the match of the year talk. It's it's insulting almost. But I'll say it this way: I thought they did a great job, and I, I do agree. I thought Scott made a great point. I love seeing as the bigger guy facing some guys that can work a little bit. I think he really can do some more offensive moves and and looks a lot stronger. All right, guys. Let's. Uh, anybody want to mention anything else on the undercard, or should we just go ahead and start right with the rumble? Um. I- I was glad to see Owens keep the title. You know, even if it's just for another month, I, I, I'm glad they kind of swerved that. We all expected Reigns to win, and I'm glad he didn't on that particular night because it worked out really well the way they did it. Completely yeah, agree. That. Yeah, I, I, I didn't expect necessarily it to advance the way it has, so I'm, I'm still interested in seeing how that, how that moves forward. Yeah, once again, I was convinced that Reigns was going to win that match all day long and so one it was a pleasant surprise when it wasn't oh jericho drops something down and reigns catches it instead of ko and and that's how the story played out that just seemed like the way they were going and it was nice to see them actually keep the title on ko for a little longer yeah really really good follow-through i thought on monday too agreed very good point yes all right guys i'm let's just move ahead right to the rumble why not uh Scott, maybe I'll let you lead the. Uh, go ahead and start and kind of take the floor here, as you are the czar. Well, thank you. <laughs> I uh, hopefully I'll have my uh, my full write up posted um, online. I'll definitely tweet links. Um, it, I I actually, I thought it was a. I didn't hate it <laughs> as much as a lot of people did. Um, I actually thought that the first the first two thirds I thought were were really strong, um, more so than than usual to me um i think where it where it really kind of started to struggle just from an enjoyment of the match how you're going to think about it in years to come is um roundabout you know there was a big long gap actually historically long gap at eliminations between when Strowman went out at number nine and when uh Sheamus and Cesaro dumped all three members of the new day there was about 17 minutes um in there which is it's really like I said unprecedented um and what happened when the the crowd the ring was getting that crowded is uh guys were just giving way to these moments in the middle which were interesting you know the Cesaro doing his swings um even after you know it started to fill up right again and people were laid out so uh Goldberg and Lesnar could have a confrontation and Undertaker and Goldberg and um those confrontations are you know memorable things from Rumble's past but there was like 10 guys in the ring just racked out um and that kind of that in congruity between you know what we're expecting versus what we're actually getting and it's 
that that to me was why the the last third kind of lost some of its steam in the context of will you sit down and enjoy the entire hour? Um, those actual confrontations had some merit, um, but you know, th- those are my those are my initial reactions. I like how they've got you know they they give us a little comedy every year with Gallagher and Ellsworth, but they do it early enough that it doesn't it doesn't sour the entire experience. Um, we got a, you know the Strowman push kind of exactly like the diesel push the seventh man in the seven eliminations um and then you know i was i was actually really enjoyed uh sammy zane getting a long run even though he wasn't like most of the people who were in there a long time disappeared for large portions um but he was still in there was it a, a jackhammer he took from goldberg i think that kind of uh justified him being in there that long um i think they i think one thing that i'll take away from this is i really appreciated the way that um the, the Rumble itself paid a lot of attention to the stories they've been telling all year long on a variety of levels. Um, and I was, I was very nervous about the first Rumble after the brand split um, because the ones in the past have been very much focusing on, you know, the Raw this or the SmackDown this. And, you know, there was one year I think the guys almost came in wearing their brand T-shirts just to really drive that home. Um, they split up four and four and had a you know Raw versus SmackDown fight in the middle. Uh, it, and they really didn't do any of that this year, which I greatly appreciated. Those are just some, some big picture thoughts. Um, I think it'll I think it'll hold up uh, over time. Matt, jump in. Yeah, I mean it wasn't that bad. It was it was a pretty pretty decent rumble. Uh, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Jack Gallagher. I love everything Jack Gallagher. I'm a huge Gallagher mark, and the Mary Poppins thing was fantastic, and I loved every second of it. Uh, I think towards the end, uh, as as I was watching, uh, I think in like the 20s there was there was a whole there's a big run on uh, big guys. It was, it was like it was Orton came out, Wyatt was out. Uh, Lesnar came out. Uh, I think Ziggler was out, and then all of a sudden at 27, here comes Enzo Amore, and it, I it just was like really. It was kind of one of those like you kind of it kind of ruined the momentum for me a little bit. Uh, I can understand him being in it, I guess, but like for him coming in that late, I guess it's just like a filler. But there was 22 guys that were advertised. There were eight surprise spots. And I think you could you could have put somebody else in that in that spot and made it better for me. Uh, but yeah, all in all, it wasn't bad. As, as Scott said, there were there were plenty of faceoffs, which was nice. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see where they go with uh, uh, Roman Reigns and Undertaker and uh, you know some of the other guys. Uh, it wasn't wasn't bad. Uh, Orton winning was a bit of a head scratcher. I'm interested to see where they go from there. Uh, I maybe they'll have him break up with the Wyatts uh, and, you know, set up maybe maybe an, an Orton-Wyatt match at WrestleMania. Wyatt's in the Elimination Chamber match. Uh, there's, a you know, at least a plausible chance that he might win the title. Uh, so you never know. Uh, I'll probably watch it again, but, it, I mean, definitely wasn't one of my favorites, but it was enjo- an enjoyable experience. Yeah, I, I'd kind of echo that, that sentiment. I, I think... I think it's getting too much hate online. Definitely. I think I, I think people built up in their heads so much of who the surprise entrance could be that it, it, it kind of that kind of killed the momentum for a lot of people. 
Um, because, you know, you realistically, you look at, like you said, there were eight spots open and the surprise entrance ended up being Kalisto and Enzo Amore and, uh, you know, I, Mark Henry. Ellsworth. I get it. Ellsworth, right. And, and, hey, I was happy with Ty Dillinger. Uh, I think that was, I, I was glad that they did not screw the pooch on that one and, and they went with number 10 for the perfect 10 and all that. And that was, he got a good reaction for that. I get Mark Henry, you know, being that he's from Texas and all that kind of stuff. I understand it. But they, you know, I think people were thinking, like we mentioned earlier, oh, maybe Shinsuke, maybe Samoa Joe, maybe... Uh, Kurt Angle. Maybe, we'll maybe Finn Balor will come back early. You know, people built it up so much like that that I, I think it just... When yeah. you started seeing that those people weren't coming out, it was like, oh, crap. And, and, Josh, I, uh, and Josh, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I do want to... Because I want to make the counterpoint that I think that maybe WWE should be to blame for that in that they left eight spots open intentionally and you are going to leave it all up to, well, who is going to be the surprise, surprise enter? And every year we get a surprise last year it was AJ styles and uh, Scott could run off the list way better than I ever could, but they set themselves up for failure by setting us up for so much excitement. And then on Christmas morning, you walk down and there's nothing there. <laughs> Like, I, I mean, I, I mean, our surprise point. at thirty was Roman Reigns. It's like you're just giving us the finger. The, the last surprise, so hard on that. The last I, surprise you can possibly have is Enzo at twenty-seven. I mean, y- y- you got Apollo Cruz. Well, you know Apollo Cruz isn't going to win. You got all these guys that have no chance. I mean, it's you're doing it to yourself. I mean, at least put some young yeah, guys I, in there that are interesting or. I would agree with that. I, you know, if you look back historically, the, um, you know, some of the surprises have been, you know, returns. There was a lot of that. Goldust came back after a couple of years, or Rob Van Dam came, came back after a couple of years, or Edge comes back early from an injury. Um, Cena famously did that. Um, to some degree, there's there's kind of like a level of star, and if you're if they're not going to win, um, you almost don't want them in there at all, uh, because then they'll. You know, the, to me, the, the AJ uh, debut last year was kind of the perfect approach to that because he came in early enough that he could be around long enough to um, make an impact. But n- I don't think anybody felt necessarily put out that he didn't factor in the the final stages uh, last year. Um, but I agree with you in terms of the expectations they're setting. It's getting to a point with me where if if they're not going to if number thirty is not going to be a a surprise that is going to leave people happy and going to be, you know, like a main event level game changer. Uh, they need to just announce number 30 ahead of time because it kind of hangs over the entire night. Um, and it, if it, if it disappoints, which it, which it often does for a variety of reasons that, that kind of sours people on the entire match because you, you know, you kind of get a bummer at 30 and then you start to realize who in the ring is going to win. And then you start to get let down by that. Um, maybe they tease you with something, but they don't deliver. And at the end of it, you're just kind of feeling flat. Now, that's that wasn't the way I looked at it, but I definitely see how a lot of fans can perceive things that way. Yeah, I think we all thought for sure that Samoa Joe was going to enter the ro- enter the Rumble. And, and by the time 30 rolled around, uh, I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I was getting hyped to hear his music hit and Roman Reigns' music hits. And it's just the ultimate letdown. It's like a punch in the gut. Uh, there, there were so many people that that they could have uh, added to the rumble. I mean, even you know a returning Kurt Angle, uh, which which I thought was definitely going to happen, or you know just anybody, you know have have a big surprise that gets a big pop from the crowd, 
and you know some even if it's somebody that nobody thought of but it was just kind of a letdown that that, that as ryan said you, you've got eight spots and you and you fill them with like Callisto or uh you know apollo cruz who i i'm a big apollo cruz fan don't get me wrong but in the current context of his storyline and the way that they're they're booking him you ne- you knew he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna last very long so it's kind of a bit of a letdown uh for me but it all in all it wasn't bad they put well, eight yeah, guys I, yeah, those I, mystery eight spots were eight guys that had no chance to win that's exactly. pretty bad i mean that's pretty bad if you're trying to set you know if you're setting expectations up and then you look back on it at the end well, except for Roman. And I will say, in defense of that that particular booking at number 30, like I said a moment ago, they trolled us. Sorry, my dog is barking. They trolled us really hard in, in that moment, but it worked out very well for what they were trying to do because when you look at the fact that they're putting Orton over, it, it gives that sense of, like, all right, I can accept that. It's not it's not Roman Reigns, so I can I can deal with that. Where I think in years past, Orton would would not have been a good choice in in that instance, and I think people would have uh, booed that out of the arena because it's not insert Daniel Bryan, Kenny Omega, Samoa Joe here, whatever you want to say. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I and definitely I think, liked so I think it that for, for that reason. Worked for what they wanted it to do. Uh, hard agree. Um, I think I actually like the way it went. One of the things I was talking about the brand split earlier. And one of the things I, I did like is, is getting the winner away from raw. Um, I was kind of, you know, you had this Goldberg undertaker Lesnar showdown, um, uh, on the go home raw. And I, I personally, I don't want those guys in the title picture. Um, I'm, in, I'm more interested in what they're going to do at WrestleMania without having the title attached to it. I don't want Owens to lose it just so these guys can have the title in the middle of their feud. Um, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I think the I think the worst I think the worst thing they did um, in terms of uh, soft selling the surprise was was putting Undertaker in at 29 um, because that just that I think was the the real big ramp up. Like, you know, if we're going to bring him out at twenty nine, then then whoever's coming out next has to be massive. Um, and so, to to your point, I do think it was a, a really good troll job, and I actually liked it for that. But I think people would have would have enjoyed it better. You know, I just I'm interested in what would have happened had Reigns been. 29th and then undertaker had come out 30 you know somebody we knew one of the big dogs undertaker goldberg or lesnar who we knew were hyped going into the match um you know if they were left for the last last spot you don't have to then give it to them in the storytelling up ahead of time but through the through the storytelling of the rumble itself you let the fans know who the last entrant is going to be but just a thought i i don't know and let me let me ask guys because once again i feel like I, i'm just completely missing the boat but why is orton winning this this rumble this is a guy that's done virtually nothing in the last, what, three, four years? This is a guy that's on the elder side of his career. He can't stay healthy. He's in a very bizarre feud with the Wyatt family that doesn't need a title. Why is why is he winning Royal Rumble to me? It is so beyond comprehension to me. It makes no sense to me. I think it's because he's not going to be... He's not going to be in the last match on the night at WrestleMania. And... um I, I think that gives them more flexibility in storytelling than they need with without kind of nerfing somebody else's, you know, big moment. 
Um, kind of like let's take uh, you know Sheamus's big win over Jericho, um, and then he ends up what opening the opening the card and winning in eleven seconds. Um, I, I I don't know. That's that's just looking at how you know what they've done with winners in the past, especially in the brand split area with, with the two titles and everything. Um, I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm bringing up a bigger problem that I see in WWE in general. It's just illogical, just everything with their product. But uh, okay, well, yeah, I I, th- I think you know, I don't know why they decided to go with Orton, but I also look at realistically, I mean, who else are you going to give it to? Because you you like we said, we don't want it on Goldberg or Lesnar or even Taker for that matter. Obviously, you don't want to put it on Roman Reigns because, especially if you're going to push him as a babyface. If you're going to push him as a heel, that's a completely different story. But for the for right now, you don't want it on Reigns. They they aren't going to sell a believable story right now with Sammy as much as I would like them to because I would love to see Sammy Kevin Owens version 26 at WrestleMania. I'd be down for that. But you know, the only other more or less logical choice in there was Jericho. You mean and the guy that's been stealing the show for the last year and is the best thing on your product now? Absolutely. And, oh, and so, oh I, that's I the guy that should have won, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, I would have I would have I would have preferred that. See, for me, I I thought all along that a SmackDown guy was going to win. Uh Raw's got enough going on storytelling-wise that they can fill up their own section of WrestleMania without you know, having a Royal Rumble winner, uh, I would have loved to have seen Baron Corbin win. I'm a huge Baron uh, Corbin uh, fan. He's come yeah. a long way uh, since he debuted. And A, you know, that, and B, having him be, last year he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. This year having him come out, win the Royal Rumble. He would have so much momentum and so much fodder that he can use for his promos as a heel you know, saying I beat I beat X amount of guys last year in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I beat twenty nine other guys in the Royal Rumble. I am the biggest, baddest guy on the on the roster. You know, have him just push him to the moon because that guy that guy's got it all. And I you know, I this seemed like a very hastily thrown together rumble, creatively speaking, for me at least. Uh just having Orton win, uh, everybody's kind of scratching their head. Uh, nobody can really come up with a plausible explanation for it, uh, which I guess is good because now in the era of Smarks, we all think we know better. Maybe maybe we don't, uh, but it's definitely an interesting avenue for them to go down. I mean, I might have rather seen either Luke Harper or Bray Wyatt win rather than Orton. I mean, you could yeah, have made Luke a Harper's star with guy. either of those guys if they win the Rumble. And you can tell that from a story, a storyline perspective. Yeah, there, and I think there there are, like I said at the at, before the rumble, I think there were about a dozen guys that you could make legitimate cases for, which is why I was excited for this this rumble going in. Was you know the past couple of years you've kind of known who was going to win going in more or less, but there were. You know, ten to twelve guys that you could look at and go, yeah, I could see them make building a logical story around this guy. I think Orton, you can build a logical story around him, but it doesn't seem logical right now. Yeah, and on the off chance that Cena retains a title at Elimination Chamber, do we really need to see Orton Cena again at WrestleMania? No, we don't. 
I think that a lot of the negative reaction has been to not so much Orton winning, uh, but to the idea that Orton Cena would be a, a, a WrestleMania singles match. And uh, I agree with that rejection. I don't think that's where they're going at all. Exactly. Um, and I, I agree with what you just said about Wyatt. I actually would have preferred that in large part because I prefer a new winner. Um, kind of the same reasons that were put forth for, for Corbin. Um, I think Wyatt could still use that bump, although he's certainly elevated relative to where Baron Corbin is right now. Um, but I think uh, I, I think uh, you were right that it's it did seem that it needed to be a SmackDown person. Um We've got the contrivance of the Elimination Chamber coming up in February with, with no real reason why, uh, other than it's just on the schedule. And I think in that context, especially with Cena winning, um, it needed to go to somebody who's been in and around the main event picture on SmackDown um, since SummerSlam, one of those guys. And, you know, I... It, if I were given the choice, I definitely would have gone with, with Wyatt, and you could tell pretty much the same story from this point forward. But I think from what they want to do week to week going from here to WrestleMania, I think in retrospect it might make more sense than it does in the immediate afterglow. Um, but I also think that in the big picture, I think they're kind of trying to subtly shift perceptions about the Rumble uh, year over year and kind of trying to maintain it as a uh, as a keystone. Um and having it be not super predictable as it has been the last handful of years, and that's that's important. I mean, I would think the Miz or Ambrose would be better choices from this back down brand. I'm just I'm piling I, on at this point. I so. couldn't see Ambrose necessarily just because of the IC title and that whole thing. And do you really want to put him back in the title, the main title picture right now? The Miz, I absolutely could have seen. That would have been historic too. He's uh, he's never been in a final four. That's right. He's been in. Ten rumbles now. He leads. He his. He's been in more than two hours of rumbles in his career, uh, which is the most of anybody who's never been in a final four. But he did main event WrestleMania. So he did. Yeah, he's got he that. Married Maurice. Third on that list. So. <laughs> but, By the way, speaking of Kofi Kingston, uh, if I can hijack the show for a second, uh, every year we get one big spot from Kofi Kingston. We got the year where he jumped onto the barricade to avoid elimination. We got the year where he walked on his hands to avoid elimination. Was I the only one that was let down by this year's Kofi Kingston moment? Well, considering the crowd didn't react to it, no, you weren't. Okay. <laughs> I, I just wanted was, to know. I thought it was a blown spot at first. I, yeah, I, I think the crowd did too because it, it you could yeah, kind of see that he was setting it up, and then the, he did it, and there was no reaction. There was no reaction to that him dangling there and then and the getting back in. I was like, oh, maybe they'll do something else later. Nope. And Scott, yeah, I want to as long as I'm not alone in that. Yeah, I agree. And I think Scott, you made a great point a little bit ago about that long gap of pe- between people getting eliminated, and then all of a sudden it was all of New Day, and then Cesaro and Sheamus were out, and then it was like, what? What happened? We had nothing going on for fifteen minutes, and then five guys are out in a thirty-second span. Yeah, yeah, not even. And that's it's. I mean, I kind of understand why they do it, um, and, but it's <laughs> it was really jarring. Uh, so maybe we'll use this now as a, as looking ahead a little bit towards. I guess obviously we got to talk a little bit elimination chamber because that comes first. But then obviously eyes towards WrestleMania at this point. I don't know, eight weeks from today or or pretty close. Um, I don't know who even wants to go first. Uh, somebody tag in. All right. So well, I think they're uh, you know obviously we know they're headed toward Goldberg, Lesnar, Rollins, Triple H, uh, which. 
side note, I enjoyed the the Samoa Joe debut last night. That was a good way to to do that, and a, a good reason to keep him off the Rumble in retrospect. Um, but I, you know, obviously we're headed that way, and I, I think if they don't main event with Goldberg and Lesnar, which I really think they're going to do, and I'm going to be disappointed by, but if they don't put that as the main event, I'm fine. I'll be fine with that match. Uh, uh, Rollins Triple H will be a good match. They'll they'll put something solid together. Um, I mean, I I guess they're probably going to go with Owens versus Jericho for one of the titles, uh, which uh, you know, obviously they're going to put on a great match. Um, SmackDown side is still really up in the air. That that's the thing is, is like we said because Elimination Chamber is coming. Are we really going to get Cena Orton again? Are we going to get Orton versus Wyatt for the title? Are we going to get some sort of triple? Honestly, I think they they keep Cena in the title match somehow, even if it is Orton versus Wyatt versus Cena for the title. Because I think now that he has number 16, the WrestleMania moment of him trying to break Ric Flair's record would be a huge selling point for them. Yeah, I thought I thought the exact same thing. I thought for sure that they that he would at least tie, if not break, his record at uh, at WrestleMania. That that's a that's a very very great point. Yeah, they got to go ahead. I, I I just after that I, I I mean they have an embarrassment of riches right now. I don't know what what they're going to do with everybody else though. Like, what are you going to do with the New Day? What are you going to do with uh, Sheamus and Cesaro for that matter? What are you yeah, going to do with AJ? What are yeah, you that going was, to do with AJ? That was where I was going to go. My main concern is that he doesn't get, that he needs to have a spotlight. I mean, I'm concerned about that for uh, for Sami Zayn as well, although I, I understand him having to wait a year. But, you know, Styles has to get a high-profile match. Um, and I, I've heard some rumors that, that don't do much for me. Um, but is do you have time to do something with him that's high-profile that's not involving the title? Um, unless somebody, you know, unless somehow it's against Shinsuke, um, you know, if, if they can work him in to the mix it, it somehow. Um, that would be interesting. But, you know, you've got to, uh, I mean, that guy's got to be featured. Um, I mean, I know he's up there in years, but he's going to be one of the, the best draws you can have in the next, I'd say, two to three years. Um, I don't know. There's, and you, and you can't, you can't come around and have, you know, six multi-man ladder matches just to get everybody a shot. This card is shaping up to be a really, really long show. I mean, last yeah. year we, it was a long show and we didn't realize it. This one's shaping up to have 25 matches if they wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, last it feels year, like. I mean, who is Reigns? I barely made it to the end. I mean, who's Reigns fighting at this point? Who's Strowman fighting at this point? Who, who are all the... I mean, you just mentioned AJ. We have no clue who he's fighting. You know a McMahon's going to be involved, whether it's Vince or it's Shane. So who are they fighting? Triple H and Rollins, I guess, is is the one way they're going to go. But you, you haven't even started... You just said the New Day. I mean, shoot, we haven't gotten to the tag titles, the women's division, That's, the cruiserweights. I mean, they could have... I mean, I exaggerate with 25, but they could have an entire... I mean, they could have a full day of content. They, they could have 14 matches easily. They're not going to. I don't think you see the cruiserweights at all. I don't. I don't think they make it to WrestleMania at all. Which is um, very depressing. It is, but it's also. I mean, they aren't getting the reactions that they need to, and that I blame creative for that more so than them. But hey, whatever. They're not getting their reactions. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, the tag titles, like I wouldn't be surprised if the ladder match we got this year was a four or five team ladder match for the Raw tag team titles. And honestly, I'd be fine with that. You don't uh, think that'd be too much those. going on? I, I think it would be crazy, but I, I'd be accepting of it for the fact that they're putting a bunch of their guys on the card that deserve it. I mean, you know, Sheamus is Cesaro. Sheamus has to be on the card because he's been around long enough and blah, blah, blah. Cesaro, Plus I think he's going to get me points, so that'd be great. <laughs> exactly. And, and Cesaro's got to be on there because he's done some good work. You have to have the New Day there. Um, assuming, you know, Gallows and Anderson are either going to hold the titles or be in the title picture. Um, I don't see why you wouldn't put Enzo and Cass in there at that point. I mean, you know, there's just there's enough there that I, I could see them going that route with and if they're going to go with that many tag teams, I want a ladder involved. I don't want just a random four or five team four corners match type thing. Um, but yeah, there's just, what do you, like you said, what do you do with the women's titles? Do you have two separate triple threats or fatal four ways? Do you, they have so much going on and so many stories that they're telling. And that's yeah, and, a good and, thing. But And can we acknowledge that it doesn't have to go 30 minutes to be worth the effort? You know, exactly. Goldberg and Lesnar need to be over. If they're fighting one-on-one, -on -one, that needs to be over in 15 minutes tops for oh. me. Bell to bell. Say, I don't bell think it can last entrances. 15 minutes. Oh. Yeah. Bell to bell, it better be about eight. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, one of the biggest – I mean, we we don't need to relitigate last year, but, you know, um, I, I think you could – you could cut out 40% of the Triple H Reigns match and actually have something decent. Uh, yes, but great point. <laughs> just the insistence that going long is some sort of virtue. Um, you know, the, that, that's one of the things I think they struggle with is that this belief that on these tentpole shows that you have to put on some sort of epic. Um, I mean, you know, what was seen in Styles, was that, was that even 25 minutes on Sunday night? Um, it was in that seemed, range. It seemed a little long. Yeah, but uh, man, some of the stuff at the at the major shows have just taken far too long to try to prove a point, um, and I don't think that's a point that needs to be proven. And we still haven't even touched on the big show and uh, Shaq. I mean, you know, we're going to get that too. I mean, that'll be an epic. I hope match. we do. I, the world's the right there. World's biggest six pack on Big Show. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to enjoy that match, but I'll give all the credit in the world to that man for dropping as much weight as he has and, and yeah having that massive six-pack who for Kobe sure Bryant? can, we, can, we, can oh. we circle back around to the rumble and uh can we talk for a second about how long of an entrance ramp that was and how for some of the guys they had to drive <laughs> them to the ring in a golf cart i love that i love the picture of bray wyatt holding the lantern on the golf cart <laughs> that whole thing was outstanding biggie tweeted something out the other day that said that he doesn't know if that's WWE calling him fat or not uh, for having to drive him all the way to the <laughs> ring on the golf cart. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's one of the problems with the dome. Yeah. Give Cena I, I, credit I, for not being blown up by the time he got to the ring after his little jaunt. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of those guys sprinted to the ring. I thought for sure some of those guys would be blown up by the time they got there. Well, The Undertaker did the smart thing. He just teleported in. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, you know Wyatt had. Uh, I am not sure why Bray Wyatt didn't do that. He's got the uh, he's got the capability. And, and who's Taker fighting? Is that going to be Reigns? I think, probably I think Reigns. Taker's fighting Reigns. Yeah, 
That seems and, to make sense. And again, if you have Reigns, I mean, they kind of teased it a little bit there in the Rumble and had him be kind of heelish. If you actually pull the trigger on that and have him be the one who, you know, all the rumors are now that he's ta- Undertaker's talking, this is the last WrestleMania of his career. If you have Reigns be the one who, quote unquote, puts Taker out of his misery. Uh, that will generate all the heat you're ever going to need for him as a heel. Oh, Vince has to be salivating over that. Yeah, that's the, that's the one matchup for both of them that I'm interested in. So I, I hope it materializes. And that match has got a real chance to be a stinker with Undertaker being as immobile as he is at this point, and Reigns having three moves. Yeah, a lot of Superman punches. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> All right, so what are we thinking about Elimination Chamber? I guess uh, before to get through the to before we get to Mania, but uh, any last thoughts on the Elimination Chamber? How's that going to play out? I think it's interesting that they only have two faces in the Elimination Chamber. They got two faces and four heels, from what I can gather. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how they how they play that out in terms of who comes out when. Yeah, it will be an interesting one. I, I they're doing a good job of of keeping me guessing because I have no idea what route they're going right now um and i guess i mean that's a that's part of the issue with orton as the rumble winner but i guess that's also part of the good thing is orton as the rumble winner is you don't really know what they're gonna do right now it does not telegraph uh well which is what you want from a chamber match it's those are even more so than a rumble those are frustrating when the outcome is is easily determined yeah, that's a good time. That's a good point. I'm actually really looking forward to the Elimination Chamber as I think it could go a bunch of ways and maybe it explains some of the ambiguity that Rumble kind of left us with. I, I wonder, I you know, I understand the logic of having Ambrose in there. Um, I, I think ever since he took the Intercontinental title back, that kind of signaled that it's they're just going to lay low on that for the next couple months. Um, right. Which is a shame given where it had, had come from. Um, uh, you know, I think Jericho's U.S. title is going to get some position of prominence, but um, you know, I, I don't know how that's going to factor into that match unless you know they try to have some sort of. I mean, you you can't really unify that title at WrestleMania. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but like we just said earlier, we're talking about what are these guys going to do? Ambrose has been was the key of making SmackDown kind of stabilize right at the point of the brand split this summer. Um, uh, you know, on the move to SmackDown Live and everything, and I, I don't know that he's going to get his due at WrestleMania. Uh, I, I think, I mean, if I have my way, I I put Ambrose and Miz back together. They haven't they haven't finished that story enough for me yet, especially with Renee. Like I said, if if I'm booking Mania, I want like a falls count anywhere for the IC title type deal, and it ends with. Ambrose dragging Miz up to the the pre-show booth or whatever, and he uh, and Renee smacks him in the face again, and then he dirty deeds him on the table for the pin type thing. Like that. That's I want to see a, a real send off for those two, and I don't I don't feel like a lumberjack match for the for the rematch is, is the the key for that. If yeah, hopefully could, the chamber reignites that. If you could get Miz to blade and get the blonde hair to have the red in it like Ric Flair, I would pay actual money to watch that match i think you just booked a perfect match there i think i would I think that would be fantastic i i, I think it, it would work well for the story that they had been telling 
you know, and they kind of have, have backed off of that a little bit in the past few weeks. But if you get back into that, that's, I mean, that feels like it would be a good match and a good finality to the story. Yeah, that whole thing's kind of fallen by the wayside. Uh, and a lot of people have seemed to have forgotten about that. I, when, when uh, the, the whole thing first started with, with Renee slapping the Miz, that was, that was one of those, you know, oh crap moments that, that you were watching live and, and, you couldn't believe that they went there, and and they pulled it off great. Uh, and I, I don't understand why they got away from it. Uh, you know, the way they're booking Dean Ambrose is kind of like an enigma at this point. What what do they do with him? He's over with the crowd. Do you trust him with the title again? He, as as one of you mentioned, you know, he was was the champion when they when they did the brand split. He was the one that you know solidified the you know SmackDown as a, 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 what I think as a superior brand and. You know, they took the title off him, and he's just kind of he's in this like icy title kind of purgatory. You know, where where do you go? Where do you go with it? Yeah, one week he's sticky and and kind of not funny, and then the next week he's actually kind of interesting and a little crazy in a good way. It's it's a very, very like you say, it's been a real enigma for the last six months. Yeah, exactly. And the, the whole thing that he did uh, when Sami Zayn was picking his ball out of the hopper. You know that that whole you know it, that as you said is kind of sticky and and it's just like it doesn't really do anything for anybody at that point. It's just Dean Ambrose being being sort of funny, like grabbing the blue ball and not caring. Okay, that was funny, and then helping Zayn and the rest of it was not funny. It's exactly it, 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 you know I don't know what else, guys. Scott, what do you think? Uh, thoughts? Just uh, you know wrapping up. I I think. Uh... I think this is kind of proving that uh, the cries that the roster wasn't able to be split were a little misguided. I think the uh, as they take up a lot of time, but the brand-specific pay-per-views in the off months are actually jam-packed with a lot of excitement. Um, looking forward to Elimination Chamber. I see there's going to be a singles title match, a, uh, a tag team title turmoil match. Um, guys are going to get a chance to shine in those spotlights uh, where you know they might not get such a good chance uh, in uh, I don't even you know I, f- I actually forget where WrestleMania is this year. Is it? It's not Orlando, is it? it Orlando's is. next year. Yeah, it is Orlando. It is Orlando. New Orleans is next year. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think it's an embarrassment of riches. There's there's a lot of great wrestling, and I think if we kind of enjoy what you know the performances we get when they happen, um, that's kind of how it's got to be going forward. But, you know, the Rumble's the highlight of my year every year, so I got what I want. <laughs> yeah, Scott, I think you made a great point, and, and, you know, we're trying to wrap up, I guess, a little bit, and it's probably a point that we could talk about for another hour, but I think you did make a great point that the, the brand split, what looked like it could really stretch an already thin roster six, eight months ago whenever it happened, has actually kind of been a blessing for a lot of people. I mean, The Miz is really broken out. Baron Corbin is really broken out. People are actually watching SmackDown now. I mean, their ratings are... Right there with Raw, some weeks they've actually uh, was, beaten them. I mean, go ahead. I'm it's sorry. It's been a blessing for yeah. SmackDown for sure. Definitely. And overall, yeah, whoever for, whoever's in charge of creative over on SmackDown needs to get a massive raise because they've done a they've done a whale of a job. And whatever they've lost on Raw, you know, if they've lost any ratings there, they've certainly more than gained them up on SmackDown. So it's been great for the brand as well. I mean, we had a great uh, UK tournament that just happened a few weeks ago. We had a great cruiserweight classic last. I don't know if it was fall, summer, it all blends together now, but it's been a great year of wrestling, but, uh, you, you know, you feel frustrated by what they don't do right, but, I, and I, you know, people even listening to me this hour have heard, you know, you get frustrated, but 
there's been a lot of really good this year too and mania has got a chance to be long but there's going to be a lot of really good in there if you can kind of trim the fat for sure yeah definitely yeah i I, I think it's going to be a good show yeah, it always is. Every year it is a good show. I mean, even if, it, you know, Reigns dominates somehow every year like he has the last three. I mean, you can always point to, like, the women's match last year, which was fantastic, or Jericho's st- uh, Styles that was outstanding, or some of the other matches. You know, New Day had a great match. I mean, I, I think you can – there's always going to be stuff that you don't like if they're going to have, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14 matches in a seven-hour show. But, uh, you know, it, three or four of those hours are going to be pretty darn good. You just have to calibrate your expectations. That's uh, that's all I can say every year. I think that's a great point, and I think maybe that's some of where I was feeling a little let down about the Rumble was just with all the empty spots kind of to try to wrap up and, and circle back to the original point. Just, you know, I think they, they kind of set you up for this big expectation. Oh, you're going to get Omega, Angle, this and that. And when you get Enzo at 27, it's just you, you got to manage your expectations. I think that's a great point. My, my early guess now is that we'll get a, a big shocker next at next year's rumble i think i think that's part of the soft sell this year was kind of you know lay the groundwork well i hear dijack might be a free agent <laughs> they've got, there you they've go. got the i'm all in 51 weeks to work it out <laughs> all right guys with that uh let's see what's the best way for us to wrap it up uh who walks into mania and walks out of mania as the champions uh i'll go i'll go first uh universal Unfortunately, uh, I feel like walking in is Goldberg. Walking out is Lesnar. Um, WWE. I'll go walking in is Wyatt. And walking out is Cena. Wow, those are good. I've got no predictions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm in the same my, boat. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure who to who to pick. My prediction is that uh, Bobby Roode goes in as NXT champion, and uh, I don't know. I'd like to think Ty Dillinger can knock him off. I'd like to see that. I could. That I, might be the biggest point of emotional catharsis of the entire weekend. <laughs> my my prediction is Nakamura will get the biggest pop of the weekend. I'm. I would love to know what he's going to do. Because I, I don't think you you can't hold on to him and and use him for a raw debut the night after. I think he's got to have he's got to have something major. And he's getting up there in years where you can't continue to keep him down. Yet somebody's got to sell yep. tickets at the NXT brand as well. Well, Sammy did double duty last year. Maybe uh, maybe Nakamura can this year. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, anything else, guys, that we want to say before we wrap up? No, we got some Hall of Fame inductees yet to roll out, and uh, I will, like I said, I'll post that link to my uh, my Rumble follow as soon as I can. Perfect. Uh, how about we end the show the way we began it, and uh, Twitter handles, whatever you uh, want to share, where they can find your work online, and uh, anything in between. Uh, once again, we'll start alphabetically with Josh. Why not? Uh, well, you can find me in the Effectively Wild group or Banished as Ben, or if you're part of the Wrestling League, you can find my work there. Um, yeah, other than that, that's about it. <laughs> well, Josh, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, Matt, jump on. 
Uh, you can find uh, my angry tweets at uh, Necrichitron, N-E-K-R-I-C-H-I-T-R-O-N. Uh, I'm usually either angrily tweeting about the Washington Capitals or wrestling or, if we're in baseball season, something about the Red Sox. Very, very nice. Definitely a must-follow on Twitter. And uh, Scott, same thing. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter at again. That's uh, Star of Savage, S T A R O F Savage. Uh, that's where I post all my wrestling thoughts. You can find me in the uh, Effectively Wild Facebook group also, and uh, I, I uh, have podcast reviews that go up two or three times a week. All my Rumble stats, um, and like I said, I, I write for the Atomic Elbow Fanzine as often as I can. That's a, almost exclusively a print product, but I will direct you as to how to find some of my uh, my thoughts there as well. Scott, thank you for joining us as well. And uh, everybody, thanks for joining me on a uh, Tuesday night. It's a little late here on the East Coast. If uh, Depending on when everybody's listening to this, it uh, certainly has been a late night. So thank you very much, guys, for joining me. And uh, let's hope that we do this again uh, sometime right around WrestleMania season. Sounds good. Awesome. Excellent. And that was a very special episode of the Banish to the Pen podcast, a wrestling exclusive talking Royal Rumble 2017 with the guys, Josh, Matt, and Scott. So I want to thank everybody very much for joining me this evening. And I want to thank uh, everybody, including Ken, for uh, putting this together as well. So thank you very much. Uh, one final thing before we get out of here this week, I would like to give a special thanks to uh, everybody involved with Banish to the Pen, whether it's the writers, the technical staff, uh, the people that do the editing, and everybody in between. We uh, have uh, a lot of people working really hard to put together a good product each and every day, and uh, there's some really good content uh, up there every morning. So make sure uh, you bookmark it and check it out with your morning cup of coffee. So thank you very much to everybody for their hard work, and thank you to you for listening. We're done. And one last reminder, be nice to your fellow listeners.